Please turn with me in your Bibles to Luke 23. Luke 23. We are going to read from Luke 23, 39 to 43. Starting at verse 39. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly. For we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Remember me. There's a catchy song with that phrase as its title. And the song is all about remembering people that you loved, that you love after they have left. About remembering them in your hearts, about not letting your memories of them fade away. We like to be remembered, right? We we like knowing that when we leave for a certain time, that those we love will remember us, be waiting for us, long to see us again. When I get home from work, I can count on my middle son, Nolan, waiting out the door, stomping his feet in excitement, waiting to see me. And my oldest son, Simon, I can always count on him running and hiding, uh, not because he's scared of me, but because he wants me to come find him. And my, my newborn son, Cooper, he's not super excited to see me yet, but we'll get there one day. But we like being remembered. We like having people remember us, long to see us again, to not let their memory of us fade away. In our passage this morning, we see someone who also wants to be remembered. He wants Jesus to remember him. But he's not asking Jesus to have pleasant thoughts about him or to think of him often. He's asking Jesus to remember him in a deep and a saving way. He's asking the one who has the power to save to remember him and to save him so that he won't just be in Jesus' heart forever, but with Jesus forever. And Maybe some of us this morning have felt forgotten that people around us have not remembered us as they should or felt left out. But we are going to see that if we are in Christ, we have this great assurance that Jesus will not forget us. And that it's never too late to call on him to remember you. In the passage that we read earlier, we see that Jesus had already been tried, already been condemned to die on a cross, already beaten, already had to carry his cross, already hoisted up and nailed to the cross. He was mocked by people who had gathered to watch. He was mocked by soldiers. And we see in our our passage that 
Jesus wasn't crucified alone. We get introduced to two other characters. These were two criminals who were crucified beside Jesus. And from these two criminals, we see two different responses toward Jesus. That can be representative of two different responses that we can have towards Jesus. The first response we see was to mock Jesus. We see this from the the criminal who joins the, the mob and joins the soldiers in mocking and ridiculing Jesus. We see that in verse 39. Railed at Jesus saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. He was not actually believing that Jesus could save them or save himself. This was bitter. This was sarcastic. He was making fun of Jesus, mocking him, thinking it ridiculous that Jesus would call himself the king of the Jews and yet be nailed to a cross. He did not believe that Jesus had any real power. He did not believe that Jesus was was perfect. His only concern about Jesus was to mock him, to ridicule him. The only way he wanted Jesus to remember him was for Jesus to remember the insults that he threw towards him. And this kind of response towards Jesus is accurate to what we see from the, often in the world around us, how they would view Jesus. Right, the world can often think that Jesus is not the son of God, that he didn't rise, that he has no power, that Believing in Jesus has no effect on our lives today at all. And that if people actually believe in this Jesus, well, they are to be mocked. They are to be seen as as foolish. Another worldly response to Jesus can be to think that, yeah, sure, maybe Jesus was a good moral person, a great teacher, but one that taught only about love and acceptance. But if believers in Jesus live out the fullness of what Jesus taught and and when that goes against what the world would hold dear, then again, we are to be hated. We are to be mocked, scorned. Sometimes when we talk about the world and, and the spiritual warfare that we as believers in Jesus face, when the world tries to influence us away from Jesus Christ, we can often forget, sometimes forget that we are, we're talking about People, people that are mocking Jesus, people that are bitter towards him, people that hate him. It might be in, in really big, vocal ways where, they, where people can love the things that Jesus calls us not to love or people who hate believers in Jesus, persecute them. But it might also be people who are, are good people, people who are, are nice to those around them and yet reject Jesus in their hearts. Your neighbors, your um, parents on your, your kids' sports teams or classmates, those who have rejected Jesus decide to live for themselves, captain their own ship. So that's the, the first response towards Jesus that we see in our passage. The response that we see from the first criminal and, and one that we see from people all around us. Bitterness, mocking towards Jesus, whether in, in loud and obvious ways or in a less obvious and less loud rejection of Jesus. But we also see another response and one that gives us incredible hope. 
Because the other criminal was once like the first. Right? He once rejected Jesus, hated him in his heart. He once chose to live for himself, indulge himself, captain his own ship. But then in the moments before his death, we see a different response. Look again with me at verses 40 to 41 of Luke 23. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. This second criminal has a very different response towards Jesus. Unlike the first criminal, the second criminal did fear God. He tells the other man, do you not fear God? Do you not have any kind of reverence towards God? Sees that this this other criminal did not have a deep understanding of of God and, and of his own self. Right? The other criminal was mocking, insulting Jesus, treating him like an ordinary man that deserved to be hanging there on the cross. But this second criminal saw something different. He did fear God. He had an awe, reverence for God that the first criminal didn't have. And that fear of God led him to understand something really important in that moment. It led him to understand his own sinfulness, the depth of his own sin. Right? He, he even says that, right? Him and the other criminal, they were hanging there justly. They deserved to be there. He understood that they were sinners who deserved the punishment that they got. He also understood that they deserved to not be remembered by Jesus. And it is a really not easy thing to come to the point where we can recognize our sins before God. When we are presented with our sins, we often can get defensive and think, you know what, our sins are actually not a big deal. Second criminal could have thought, you know what, I I didn't actually do it, or I got set up, or okay, I may have done a small little thing, but I don't deserve to be here. I'm actually a good person. We can get defensive when we're called out in our sin or, or deflect. Point out the fact that there's a lot of worse people out there. We can think that our sin is just not a big deal or even come to the point where we no longer even care about our sin and just want to enjoy it and live in it. But the second criminal in our story, he he starts to fear God and understands God's, he has a reverence for God, understands God's holiness, that God is great and perfect and holy. And compared to who God is and what God expects of us, he knew that he was a sinner, that he deserved to be there, deserved to die. It's a powerful work of God in your heart to bring you to the point where you can recognize your sin. Back at my old church in Cambridge, there was a teen who once asked me to go for coffee. Um, the day before this teen had asked me, there was a guest speaker who came to our church and did a really a powerful gospel presentation. And so this team, this team came to me and he was just emotional 
um, because he was coming to the point where he had recognized his great sin before God. I mean, this was a good kid. This, he didn't do anything really bad. Um, he came out to youth group, came out to church. He seemed like a, a good kid. But all of a sudden, after that night at, at our church, he, he was emotional because it hit him how serious his sins were. And the Lord worked in his heart to convict him to the point where he realized he had sinned before God. That his sins were so serious before God that he could not stand before God on his own. And it's interesting how we can go through life with this spiritual blindness to our sin. Having hard hearts blinded to our sin before God. Joining the world and thinking that we are good, that we are in control, that we are chasing after everything we've ever wanted because it's, it's all about us. But then God reaches down and does work in our hearts to bring us to do what we cannot do on our own, to recognize our sins before a perfect and holy God. Like that teen, the second criminal came to a realization of the seriousness of his sins, that he deserved punishment. He deserved what he got. Like a criminal coming before a judge and saying, I plead guilty. And as his fear of God brought him to an understanding of his own sinfulness, he also came to the realization that Jesus was not like him. He understood that Jesus did not deserve to be there. We see this in um, verse 41. And we indeed justly, for we receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. He understood that Jesus was there unjustly, that he was perfect without sin. Tabidi in his commentary on the book of Luke says this. When we were enabled to see the truth about ourselves, we were better able to see the truth about Christ. Right? The, the, the second criminal on the cross had a recognition of his sin and it led him to better understand who Jesus was. And because of that combination of recognizing his own great sin and having a deep understanding that Jesus was not like him, was not a sinner like him, but the Son of God in perfect, it led him to say this awesome statement of faith in Jesus, this awesome plea of faith in Jesus. Look at verse 42 with me. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus, remember me. This man wanted to be remembered by Jesus. He didn't want Jesus to think of him often. Um, he didn't want Jesus to just hold a place in his heart for this man or to have Jesus share fond memories of the criminal. He wanted Jesus to remember him in his kingdom. He knew that death was not the end, but that there was something after death, that his soul was going to live on. He understood that because of his sinfulness, he did not deserve to be in God's kingdom. He didn't deserve to be remembered by Jesus. But his plea 
to Jesus showed that he had no hope except in the grace of Jesus to remember him. He cried to Jesus to remember him despite his shortcoming. He cried to Jesus to remember him knowing that Jesus had the power to give him that grace. And this gives us a powerful example of what it looks like to come to trust in Jesus Christ. To come to a deep realization of our sins before a holy and just God and to reach out to Jesus in faith. Knowing we don't deserve it, but knowing Jesus has the power to grant us that amazing grace. In his plea to Jesus to remember him, the criminal gets this response from Jesus. And and these words are, are words that I'm sure have comforted many of us and given us great hope. Verse 43, and he being Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus was going to remember the criminal. He was going to save him. In a a commentary on the book of Luke, the author talks about how that word Paradise is a, a Persian word, and it's a word that means garden. And what would often happen in Persia is that when the Persian king wanted to honor one of his servants, um, like, yeah, wanted to honor one of his servants, lift him up to a great position, what he would do is that he would take the servant and grant him the opportunity to walk with the king in the king's garden. The servant would be the companion of the king, as they walked in this beautiful garden of the king. Because Jesus remembered the criminal, because of Jesus' saving grace, we get the picture of this criminal now having an honored place as the companion of Jesus walking in the courts of heaven. And those words of Jesus bring us some wonderful conclusions. And first it shows us the power of the gospel. Right here is a man who was a proven criminal. He had done terrible things in his life. Those were not in question, right? He himself admitted that he deserved what he had gotten. Yet because of his recognition of his sins and his saving faith in Jesus, when he died, minutes or hours later, he was instantly to be with Jesus in paradise. Right, this man had an awful past, but now he was with the Lord. And that's the saving power of the gospel. And if you have trusted in Jesus and you have experienced that life-changing, eternity-giving power of the gospel. There's some wonderful verses in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 that talks about this life-changing power of the gospel. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Not super encouraging so far, but look at verse 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. 
And such were some of you. Right? That was the criminal on the cross. And that was us. But in Christ, we have been washed, sanctified, justified in the name of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. And that's the saving power of the gospel. We are never too far gone in sin for God to reach down and to save us through Jesus. We are never too far gone to turn to him and ask him to remember us. You might think that God could never accept you, that God could never forgive you, that you are a hopeless case, that your regrets are too many, your sins too powerful, but God's grace is greater still. Not only are we never too far gone, but while we are still on this earth, it's never too late. Right? There are many things in life where it, where it is too late, right? My, my son Simon started school, and on the second day of him taking the bus, um, I was late and bringing him to, to the bus, and we missed it. On the second day of taking the bus, we already missed the bus. Um, maybe this year you were too late in remembering your anniversary, Santa and I's anniversary is in a week, so saying this now is strategic so that I'll remember it. But this story of the criminal on the cross shows us that while we are still breathing, it is not too late to turn to Christ in faith. You were never too far gone, and even if you have been rejecting Jesus your whole life, it is not too late to turn to Jesus in faith, to call on him to remember you in his kingdom. But while it's not too late, while we are breathing, once we stop, it is too late. We're told in, in Scripture that today is the day of salvation. Even if you have been captaining your ship for so long, living for yourself, mastering your own destiny, let go of control over your life, repent of your sins, and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you are think that you are too far, so far from God that there's no way he can reach you, know that you are not too far gone and that today is the day of salvation. If you're thinking that you are alone and that you won't be remembered because of your choices in life, choose today to trust in Jesus. Call on Jesus to remember you. And he will. With Jesus' words to the criminal, Today you will be with me in paradise. We see a powerful assurance and one that brings us great comfort and great hope. There's a man called Jonathan Charks who passed away about three weeks ago. He was a, a young man. He was 34 years old with a wife and a two-year-old son. He was the basketball writer for the secular sports website called The Ringer, the sports and culture website. He was also a strong believer in Jesus Christ. And shortly after he passed away, the, the founder of the website, along with a few others, did a tribute podcast um, in honor of, of Jonathan. And it was really cool to hear these people talk about him and, and no, how they noticed something different about him talked about his character and the impact he had on others and they even noticed something different about him and how that came across even in his writing about basketball and they attributed it to his faith one guy made a comment that if you weren't careful Jonathan would convert you in a good way (laughs) 
But as Jonathan was fading away physically because of his cancer, his wife was blogging about their journey and, and she said this a couple days before he passed away. I don't know where we would be if we didn't have God's love, Jesus' sacrifice, and the hope of heaven. John and I may be separated by death sooner than we'd like, but at least that's not the end forever. We'll see each other again in heaven. John's body may be broken and betraying him now, but he'll have a whole body and hopefully get to Hoopatun in heaven. Without those assurances, life wouldn't be worth living. And then after he passed away, she said this, I know when John met God face to face, he heard a hearty, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's the power of the gospel and the power of of Jesus' assurance to us. We can know and trust that if God has reached down and convicted us of our sin and if we have called on the name of Jesus, when we die, we will be with Jesus in paradise. We will be with Jesus in the present heaven awaiting our perfect resurrection bodies where we will be in the new heavens and new earth with God and with Jesus for all of eternity. We will be able to walk the beautiful gardens of the new earth with Jesus. And that gives us a wonderful assurance and it affects our lives now. We can walk with confidence on this earth knowing no matter what we face, no matter what trial we face, Jesus is with us now and he will remember us when we breathe our last. When we face trials, if, if we are lonely, wondering if we have left a lasting legacy, wondering if people will remember us, we can be assured that because of our faith in Christ, he has redeemed us and he will remember us. Let's pray. God, thank you for your saving power through your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that if there is some this morning who have rejected you and your son, that you will reach down and, and convict them of their sins and that they will call on, your, on the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the assurance that we have if we are in Christ that we will be with you and your son in paradise. Help us to walk with confidence on this earth knowing that you are with us, knowing the life-changing power of your gospel. Amen.